Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to the UK Sangha, um, a weekly group meeting we have. Uh, you don't have to be in the UK to join it. It's just called the UK Sangha for whatever reason. Um, today we have uh, three of our friends here and uh, there was no questions right off the bat. So I'm going to get into a sutta I picked out for today and read it and go buy it and uh, see what kind of wisdom we can gain from it. Um, this um, sutta is going to kind of repeat some recurring themes we have here in the Dhammarado Sangha. And uh, I've, I find this sutta, like, I've never read this, but this is what I was practicing from the first call that um, I had with Dhammarado. So, it's a particularly um, relevant sutta. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> okay, so this is from the Majjhima Nikaya 19, and uh, it's titled Two Kinds of Thought. So the, the Buddha will often do this. He'll take things and put them in a category. So there's five aggregates, or there's these two kinds of thoughts, uh, etc. And this is a really useful way to practice. So it can kind of uh, uh, bring a sense of clarity and take the confusion out of our experience. So uh, we get a sense of, uh, we actually know what's going on here and uh, become uh, Unified. Okay. Thus have I heard on one occasion the Blessed One was living at Savati in Jetta's Grove, Anatta Pindakas Park. There he addressed the bhikkhus thus. Bhikkhus, venerable sir, they replied. The Blessed One said this. Bhikkhus, before my enlightenment, while I was still only an unenlightened bodhisattva, it occurred to me, suppose that I divide my thoughts into two classes. Then I set on one side thoughts of sensual desire, thoughts of ill will, thoughts of cruelty. And I set on the other side thoughts of renunciation, thoughts of non-ill will, and thoughts of non-cruelty. So right off the bat, this just means there are wholesome thoughts and then there are unwholesome thoughts and and ill will and sensual desire um, is kind of straightforward but uh, renunciation can be kind of uh, confused and misinterpreted um, it kind of sounds very dogmatic very religious but uh, renunciation really just means I don't need I don't need that to be happy. I don't need I don't need that that uh, beautiful woman or I don't need that delicious food. I'm fine just how I am right right now without it. That would be a thought of renunciation. Not oh, I'm never going to, uh, for instance, have sex ever again. I renounce that. That's more of a rule that we're projecting into the future instead of renouncing it here and now. I don't need that. 
I don't need sensual pleasures to be happy. I have something better. Okay. As I abided thus diligent, ardent, and resolute, a thought of sensual desire arose in me. I understood thus. This thought of sensual desire has arisen in me. This thought leads to my own affliction, to others' affliction, and to the affliction of both. It obstructs wisdom, causes difficulties, and leads away from Nibbana. When I considered thus, this leads to my own affliction. It subsided in me. When I considered thus, this leads to others' affliction. It subsided in me. When I considered thus, this leads to the affliction of both. It subsided in me. When I considered this obstructs wisdom, causes difficulties, and leads away from Nibbana, it subsided in me. Whenever a thought of sensual desire arose in me, I abandoned it, removed it, did away with it. All right, so simply recognizing that um, certain types of thoughts just lead to your own harm is what lets you let go of it. So that's kind of taking the delusion out of the equation and replacing it with wisdom and a realistic view of things. So the reason why um, these thoughts keep happening and the reason why we, we keep repeating these thoughts is because of a, a certain kind of delusion that uh, it's not going to harm you or there's no danger in it or it's going to uh, satisfy a craving. Um, but when you recognize this simply leads to your own harm and others' harm, um, it inspires the right effort to abandon that um, thought or that unwholesome state and uh, uh, take you somewhere better. Okay. As I abided thus diligent, ardent, and resolute, a thought of ill will arose in me, a thought of cruelty arose in me. I, I understood thus. This thought of cruelty has arisen in me. This leads to my own affliction, to others' affliction, and to the affliction of both. It obstructs wisdom, causes difficulties, and leads away from Nibbana. When I considered thus, it subsided in me. Whenever a thought of cruelty arose in me, I abandoned it, removed it, did away with it. Bhikkhus, whatever a bhikkhu frequently thinks and ponders upon, that will become the inclination of his mind. If he frequently thinks and ponders upon thoughts of sensual desire, he has abandoned the thought of renunciation to cultivate the thought of sensual desire, and then his mind inclines to thoughts of sensual desire. If he frequently thinks and ponders upon thoughts of ill will, upon thoughts of cruelty, he has abandoned the thought of non-cruelty to cultivate the thought of cruelty. And then 
his mind inclines to thoughts of cruelty. Right, so um, the activity of our mind and how we feel is a sum total of our habitual tendencies. So what do we return to over and over again is what we feed. So it, you reap what you sow. If you sow the seeds of ill will, you're going to get a mind full of ill will and a perpetual habit full of ill will. And you're going to be an angry person. And uh, it's going to manifest. And I, I'm not kind of like a woo-woo spirituality type of person, but uh, people who are angry all the time, it will manifest physically. It will lead to um, your actual own literal harm and affliction. So um, simply uh, being more stressed out, being more tense, uh, it damages the body over time, actually. And uh, if I were to guess, causes uh, diseases and all kinds of um, all kinds of problems, let alone the disease of the mind. So just simply suffering. So when you're having uh, thoughts of ill will, when you're angry at other people, you're suffering yourself. Um, and that's just something to return to again and again. So realize this is harming me. Hold on, I'm gonna put this picture. All right. And if anyone has anything to pop in, just go ahead. Just as in last month of rate, okay, where did I leave? Yeah, just as in last month of the rainy season in the autumn, when the crop, crops thicken, a cowherd would guard his cows by constantly tapping and poking them on the side and that with a stick to check them and curb them, right? So guiding the herd. Why is that? Because he sees that he could be flogged, imprisoned, fined, or blamed if he let them stray into the crops. So, so too, I saw in unwholesome states danger, degradation, and defilement, and in unwholesome states the blessing of renunciation, and in wholesome states the blessing of renunciation, the aspect of cleansing. Right, so the... Um, Analogy here is like you're guiding your thoughts like a like a herd of cows or something into the right destination. So you don't want them to end up somewhere that's going to get you in trouble, that's going to cause problems. As I abided thus diligent, ardent, and resolute, a thought of renunciation arose in me. So a thought of, I, I'm, I'm good at, right now. I don't need anything. This is enough. I don't need to go. Uh, I don't need that girl showing her ass on Instagram. I could be happy just, just right here. I don't need attention. I don't need validation. I don't need anything. I don't need sensual pleasures. I don't need my fix. I don't need alcohol. I don't need. I don't need whatever drug I'm addicted to. That's a thought of renunciation. A thought of renunciation arose in me. I understood thus. This thought of renunciation has arisen in me. 
This does not lead to my own affliction or to others affliction or to the affliction of both. It aids wisdom, does not cause difficulties and leads to Nibbana. All right, so this is wholesome. This is completely pure. This is good. This is whole. This is right. And uh, it, it comes with the feeling of that. So when you have a wholesome thought, it feels good to have that wholesome thought. So um, there's no there's no um, fear, there's no guilt or shame in it. It's completely wholesome. Like there's there's no danger in it at all. It's completely healthy. If I think and ponder upon this thought, even for a night, even for a day, even for a night and day, I see nothing to fear from it. But with the ex but with excessive thinking and pondering, I might tire my body. And when the body is tired, the mind becomes dis disturbed. And when the mind is disturbed, it is far from concentration. So I steadied my mind internally, quieted it, brought it to singleness and concentrated it. Why is that? So that my mind should not be disturbed. Okay, so this is actually really important. Um, once you actually do get yourself into a wholesome state, um, that's when you transition to um, stilling the mind and quieting things down. So um, if you're applying and sustaining a wholesome thought over and over and over again, like a mantra, at a certain point, it's going to lose its juice. So it's not going to be wholesome anymore and you're going to tire yourself out. So you use the wholesome thought to get yourself in a tranquil, relaxed and wholesome state so that you can uh, put the mind to rest. So once you are actually in a wholesome state uh, uh, through these uh, uh, completely pure and wholesome thoughts, you can still the mind and then bring yourself to an internal stillness and an internal quietness. And uh, this is where um, you'll find um, a more profound sense of relief and uh, and uh, deepening of the practice. I don't like to use the word deep because Damarado told me it's not a good word to use. <laughs> it's not deep. So it's not like a dull state that you sink into. It's more of like a state of expansion, a state of clarity. So it's, what's that? Boundlessness. Boundlessness. And uh, that's kind of later on down the line. It's not, <laughs> at first it's just uh, uh, wholesome. So boundlessness is where it, it leads to that if you keep doing this. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so um, um, wide awake, light, like a feeling of lightness, lightheartedness. So uh, it takes the seriousness out of things. A lighthearted, um, peaceful abiding. Pleasantness is a good way to think of it. Like, ah, this is pleasant. You, you sink into a hot tub. Okay, the moment you sink into that hot tub, for that split second, there's no thoughts. 
all you're doing is going <sighs> there's no thought so this is what it's talking about this is the stilling of the the wholesome thought and then uh going into a more uh uh internally still state and uh you are sinking into that hot tub and giving the mind a vacation because it works it's it works too hard it needs a rest too so it's not saying that all thoughts are bad it's just saying um we can learn to put put them down every once in a while all right as i abided thus diligent ardent and resolute a thought of non-ill will arose in me a thought of non-cruelty arose in me i understood thus this thought of non-cruelty has arisen in me this thought does not lead to my own affliction or to others affliction or to the affliction of both it aids wisdom does not cause difficulties and leads to nibbana if i think and ponder upon this thought even for a night even for a day even for a night and day i see nothing to fear from it but with excessive thinking and pondering i might tire my body and when the body is tired the mind becomes disturbed and when the mind is disturbed it is far from concentration so it's kind of far from uh, jhana so i steadied my mind internally quieted it brought it to singleness and con concentrated it why is that so that my mind should not be disturbed bhikkhus whatever a bhikkhu frequently thinks and ponders upon that will become the inclination of his mind if he frequently thinks and ponders upon thoughts of renunciation he has abandoned the thought of sensual desire to cultivate the thought of renunciation and then and then his mind inclines to thoughts of renunciation if he frequently thinks and ponders upon thoughts of non-ill will upon thoughts of non-cruelty he has abandoned the thought of cruelty to cultivate the thought of non-cruelty and then his mind inclines to thoughts of non-cruelty just as in the last month of the hot season when all the crops have been brought inside the villages a cowherd would guard his cows while staying at the root of a tree or out in the open since he needs only to be mindful that the cows are there so too there was need for me only to be mindful that those states were there all right so this is kind of profound so um you get you get the mind and apply it on the wholesome and then uh you're like okay uh these thoughts are safe i can rest um so you get your cows into the right pasture into the right herds you can check again check to see they're still there yep they're still there okay i can relax i don't need to pay attention to that anymore um so it's the same way with our thoughts we corral our thoughts on the wholesome and then we can kind of uh sit down by the tree and uh feel safe and secure knowing that everything is as it should be 
And even if you have to check, you have to check a couple more times just to make your, give yourself that sure feeling. Hmm, let me check again. Yep, still there. Yep, it's still there. Uh, you can keep doing that. Um, okay, I have to use the restroom real quick, so I'll be right back. Um, feel free to talk while I'm gone. <laughs> Where are you guys living? You are living in the UK, Vida and... Uh... Oh, DJ? Yeah, I'm I'm actually living in Canada, so... Okay. Yeah, but the time zones work out, so... It's like okay. three here, so... Okay. Three, I'm living in, in Belgium. Oh! <laughs> Belgium. Yeah. The small country... Uh, between yeah. France and Holland and Germany, we we are uh, in between. All right. Okay, I'm back. Sorry for that, YouTube. <laughs> Here we go. And I promise you guys, I was completely mindful and ardent while I was using the restroom. All right. Okay, tireless energy. Okay, just as in last month of the hot season when all the crops have been brought inside the village, a cowherd would, would guard his cows while staying at the root of a tree or out in the open. Since he needs only to be mindful that the cows are there, so too there was need, need for me only to be mindful that those states were there. <clears throat> tireless energy was aroused in me and unremitting mindfulness was established my body was tranquil and untroubled my mind concentrated and unified quite secluded from sensual pleasures secluded from unwholesome states i entered upon and abided in the first jhana Okay, so this practice is a direct way to jhana, is uh, cultivating the thoughts on the wholesome and abandoning unwholesome thoughts. So, uh, essentially, the main practices that Damarado teaches, from what I've uh, surmised from my interactions and from the videos, is the breathing and uh this wholesome thoughts and when i first called damarado um oh welcome yasen um we're going through a sutta here and discussing it good to have you but when i first called damarado uh the only practice he gave me he just was pretty much just uh talk yourself into a wholesome state so talk yourself into it. And uh, there was one one moment I was uh, walking in the park with my uh, lamentation, sorrow, grief, and despair and unwholesome states. And then I thought to myself, what if I just think wholesome thoughts? What if I just talk myself into feeling happy? And so I did, <laughs> and it worked. And uh, I haven't looked back since. So it, it is kind of that simple. 
So there's uh, wholesome thoughts and unwholesome thoughts. Wholesome thoughts are thoughts. Uh, uh, there's no danger in them. So they feel good and uh, there's no problem with them. And uh, uh, the thing that made me better and better at Jhana was just becoming more aware of the thoughts that I'm having like throughout the day. So I would have moments of mindfulness and then moments of ignorance. But because I was determined to do the practice, I was resolute to do the practice. I became hyper aware of what's going on in my mind at any given moment. And when an unwholesome thought arises, immediately, then, the, then and there, I throw it out. And um, and then uh, you develop a different habit. So now uh, your habit is uh, these these wholesome thoughts that uh, that condition how you feel about things. So many people live their lives in quiet desperation, and uh, the only reason they're living their life in quiet desperation and not um, having a pleasant abiding is because there's an internal unwholesome dialogue going on. So thoughts of victimhood, thoughts of ill will, thoughts of sensual desire. So um, uh, being angry at the world, being angry at somebody, craving for some, wanting something that you don't have, and the thoughts concerned about that. This is what uh, this is what takes us into hell. This is what um, brings a kind of hell state for us. So um, instead of thinking about heaven and hell as a magical place in the afterlife, think about heaven and hell as states of mind. So where do you want to be reborn in the next moment? Because heaven and hell is right in between your ears. Tireless energy was aroused in me. Unremitting mindfulness was established. My body was tranquil and untroubled. My mind concentrated and unified. Quite secluded from sensual pleasures, secluded from unwholesome states, I entered upon and abided in the first jhana. Um, and then ellipses... I, di I directly knew, birth is destroyed, the holy life has been lived, what was needed to be done has been done, there is no more coming into any state of being. So getting into first jhana, uh, et cetera, et cetera, going through all the process of jhana, going through all the process of insight and discernment leads to uh, nibbana. So that's what birth is destroyed means. So um, death happens as a result of birth. So this is a perpetual cycle of things. Um, so uh, if you destroy birth, death is destroyed. <sighs> don't think about it on a like, don't think about it on an ontological perspective of things. Don't think about it as a metaphysical 
truth. Think about it as a lived experience. Think about it as uh, being free of the fear of death here and now. Um, think about it as coming into this moment, no longer arriving somewhere. There's no more coming into any state of being. I'm not being reborn and dying over and over again anymore. I'm here. I have arrived. Um, and this is enough. I'm satisfied. This was the third true knowledge attained by me in the third watch of the night. Ignorance was banished and true knowledge arose. Darkness was banished and light arose as happens in one who abides diligent, ardent and resolute. Suppose Bikus, that in a wooded range, there was a great low lying marsh near which a large herd of deer lived. Then a man appeared desiring their ruin, harm and bondage. And he closed off the safe and good path that led to their happiness. And he opened up a false path and he put up out a decoy and set up a dummy so that the large herd of deer might later come upon calamity, disaster and loss. But another man came desiring their good welfare and protection. And he reopened the safe and good path that led to their happiness. And he closed off their path, the, the false path. And he removed the decoy and destroyed the dummy so that the large herd of deer might later come to, to growth, increase and fulfillment. Bikus, I have given the simile in order to convey a meaning. This is the meaning. The great low-lying marsh is a term for sensual pleasures. The large herd of deer is a term for beings. The man desiring their ruin, harm, and bondage is a term for, for Mara, the evil one. The false path is a term for the wrong eightfold path, that is, wrong view. Wrong intention, wrong speech, wrong action, wrong livelihood, wrong effort, wrong mindfulness, and wrong concentration. The decoy is a term for delight and lust. The dummy is a term for ignorance. The man desiring their good, welfare, and protection is a term for the Tathagata, accomplished and fully enlightened. The safe and good path that led to their happiness is a term for the noble eightfold path that is right view right intention right speech right action right livelihood right effort right mindfulness and right concentration so because the safe and good path that leads to happiness has been reopened by me the wrong path has been closed off the decoy removed the dummy destroyed which should be done for his disciples out of compassion by a teacher who seeks their welfare and has compassion for them that I have done for you Bikus. These are there are roots of trees, these empty huts meditate Bikus. do not delay or else you will regret it later. 
This is our instruction to you. That is what the Blessed One said. The bhikkhus were satisfied and delighted in the Blessed One's words. All right, so he's essentially saying, here's what needs to be done. Be done. Go and do it. It's that simple. Here's the way to happiness. Um, here's the path. Um, uh, the way, the truth, and the life, so to speak. The true Dhamma. This is the only way to lasting fulfillment and happiness. And uh, all other ways is just going to lead to uh, dissatisfaction and problems and dis-ease. Uh, so that is inspiration to practice, to pay attention, become determined, resolute. Um, and also there's uh, there's a there's a section from this next sutta, the sutta right following it that I want to read because I think it's a particularly important section. Um, it's uh, more instruction on how to exactly still the the thoughts. So when we do get ourselves into a wholesome state, or even if you're just having trouble with um, the unwholesome thoughts, and you can't convert them to wholesome thoughts and you can't bring up wholesome thoughts you can there is also a way to just still thinking thinking entirely um, and this will be an instruction for that <clears throat> okay if while he is trying to forget those thoughts and is not giving attention to them, there still arise in him evil, unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, with hate, and with delusion, then he should give attention to stilling the thought formation of those thoughts. When he gives attention to stilling the thought formation of those thoughts, then any evil, unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, with hate, and with delusion are abandoned in him and subside. With the abandoning of them, his mind becomes steadied, internally quieted, brought to singleness, and concentrated. Just as a man walking fast might consider, why am I walking fast? What if I walk slowly? And he would walk slowly. Then he might consider, why am I walking slowly? What if I stand? And he would stand. Then he might consider, why am I standing? What if I sit? And he would sit. Then he might consider, why am I sitting? What if I lie down? And he would lie down. By doing so, by doing so, he would substitute for each grosser posture one that was subtler. So too, when a bhikkhu gives attention to stilling the thought formation of those thoughts, his mind becomes steadied, internally quieted, brought to singleness, and concentrated. Right, so there is a skill, um, sort of like a progression of slowing things down. Um, uh, when there's a lot of mental activity going on, we can kind of tap the brakes, so to speak. So at first we're walking, and then we can 
uh, slow down our pace and then tap the brakes a little bit more. Slow things down a little bit more. Slow down, 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 all the way until there's no movement at all. And you might find yourself in jhana just by that method. So it's not as necessary to stop it all at once and come to a shrieking halt, um, but to apply the brakes slowly and smoothly and come to a nice and easy um, shutdown of things and take it one step at a time. So when, when you do this, when you sort of still the thinking of the mind, um, other sense perceptions will um, clarify a little bit more. So you might hear um, some birds chirping in the distance. You might hear some cars passing by on the freeway. You might hear some um, subtle noises like the air conditioning unit or something like that. And uh, just let them arise and pass away. And uh, they can even be like, like music to your ears. And there is um, a pleasantness and the ease of residing in stillness. And when things are still down like this, now you can really do do um, some anapanasati. So you can sort of lengthen and deepen how we breathe. 
So nice and slowly, we want our lungs to expand with a nice, satisfying amount of air, of a, a, a sense of pleasantness and fulfillment in each breath at a steady pace, all the way in and then all the way out. And if you find any unwholesome thoughts arising, thoughts of discomfort, uh, a sense of lack, you can continue with um, the wholesome thought as well. So thoughts of, I don't need anything right now. I'm hanging out with my buddies, just relaxing, just fine right here as I am. And everything is fine and dandy and the cows are in the herd right where they're supposed to be
All right. So I think we'll open it back up for discussion now that we have um, a new friend who's joined. But uh, yeah, good job, everyone. Congratulate yourself for um, uh, being satisfied and sitting down and just doing nothing. Um, welcome, Patrick. Uh, we just we just got done uh, reading a sutta and uh, uh, we went into a little bit of a, a, a meditation there. Um, uh, but it always uh, gladdens my mind to see a new friend come in. Um, another thing uh, I'd like to reiterate and mention uh, is that um, uh, when it talks about um, stilling the thoughts, um, uh, that's once you're already uh, in, you can always apply and sustain on the wholesome until you realize that it gets kind of repetitive and you are feeling good and now you can set those thoughts down so there's different like avenues that you can take to uh, come into a state of uh, satisfaction and um, uh, it is an inner experiment so i recommend uh, you guys uh, practice and continue to practice because there's great benefits that comes out of it and uh, even while you're sitting um, in silence adding a slight smile to your face uh, it makes a difference so just a, a slight little smirk you know um, the Buddha is often depicted with just the slight slightest of smiles just kind of a, a smooth drip of satisfaction and uh, yeah <laughs> that's how jhana operates so it kind of just um, um, I think it, it it what we're doing uh, when we practice jhana is um, activating um, different pleasure responses in our brain uh, that we might get from um, things that happen. So uh, we're learning how to um, subvert um, the existent, the external stimulus route to pleasure response. And we're learning how to activate it internally within our own mind so the the dopamine pleasure the i like this and I, I i want more of this and then the serotonergic pleasure this is enough this is satisfying um this is all conjecture here but if i had to guess like pt is kind of like more dopamine and uh Sukha is more like serotonin uh, relief. And, uh, but um, the only reason I mention this is because um, thinking about it in that, in that sense can kind of give you a better understanding of, of uh, what we're evoking with jhana is we're actually getting our fix, 
our our our, our chemical um, <laughs> pleasure response. And um, uh, once we get our fix and we continue to get our fix, uh, we can kind of just um, relax knowing that we got our fix and uh, uh, chill out even more, cool down. Um, there are more sublime states than uh, joy and rapture. There is a more sublime state than comfort and bliss of body. And um, it's just more profound levels of satisfaction. And uh, it really has to do with what the contents of our mind is. So the first unwholesome thought you have is going to take you out of this um, pleasant state. And then um, you can you can uh, recognize, do a do a analysis of what happened. What was the first thing that popped up that took me out of it? So it's kind of like a instant replay, like you're a sports commentator, and you're watching sort of. Um, uh, you're watching the unfoldments of your mind as if it's a sport and you're seeing uh, how uh, what strategies lead to success and what strategies lead to failure and you can analyze it within yourself um, and once you and once you see what leads to success and you taste the fruit of it stick with it do that keep go stay on it so apply and sustain you find yourself in a rhythm stay on the rhythm so it's like a musician they find they get in the zone they find a groove and they keep going and uh if you get tired of that then just set that down <laughs> and relax even more and uh, uh, this is kind of how the progression of things go. So if uh, there are any questions, um, please feel free to go ahead or um, any comments. Um, if you guys would like to talk about um, the sutta or your experience of things, that's what this is all about. So please feel free um, to interject. I have just one question about the time. It feels like I got right into something and that was going on and I thought it was like nine o'clock my time. Yeah, there was a time change. So for me, it's the when I started the call, it's the same time yeah. as I always do. But for you guys, there was a time change. Oh, OK, I see. I yeah, see. so yeah. I tried putting it in the chat. Um, I don't know. Sorry, sorry about that, but uh, it's yeah. Uh, no worries. It's going to be like an hour earlier now. Okay. Um, or I'll just 
I'll, I'll make sure to put it in the chat when when the call will start. Will you have a time change later too, or you already had it? I'm I'm actually not sure mm -hmm. um, when when the time change for me is. Um, I live in California. All right. So uh, next time I'll make sure. I don't actually live in the UK, so <laughs> although it's the UK Sangha. Yep. Cheers. <laughs> Veda, you have anything to say? <laughs> no? DJ, Christoph, Yasin? Oh, I, I guess I got, I got some stuff I can say. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite um, helpful, like even discussing like the, the more subtle genres to, um, Again, still appreciate the first, like to to really you know work that in and be like, yeah, this is this is good enough. Especially when you were talking, Scott, well during the sutta, you know, about checking back in, like, hey, you know what? It's fine to come and check back in. Hey, are there any hindrances here or whatever? And then you can just relax, like right down. Like not that you have to be. I think that's where the subtlety kind of comes in as well. Yeah. Is like when you're. Um, if you're like overwork, like, oh, I got to get rid of all the hindrances and this is like a constant thing, right? It's like, no, you just yeah. relax, let it relax, but we can check in. If a wholesome thought comes up, okay, cool, you know, uh, appreciate it and then just let it, let it drop. Yeah. Yes, yes. So there's a kind of finesse to this. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a skill to this thing where um, um, you don't have to become like stubborn with how you do it. So um, if you get yourself into a stilling of the thoughts, it's okay to go back into wholesome thoughts. Mm -hmm. Or if it, so, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like, no, I'm doing this now. <laughs> and then now you have a, a frustration in your meditation and you end up sitting there um, in an unwholesome state and just like, believing that you you're meditating so it's helping you mm -hmm. but really what you should be doing is taking the right effort to get back into a satisfied state yeah so that might be bringing up another thought um or it might be taking a different breath or it might be changing your posture relax oh i'm not gonna move i'm gonna sit <laughs> here just like this no maybe maybe you do need to move a little bit and relax some part of your body and get it, it into, yeah, get into a more comfortable state. So, um, yeah, that's the skill. And um, <clears throat> um, there's different avenues that you can go about um, uh, Dukkha Niroda. Um, and, yeah, well, uh, what we talked about today with the sutta, the main... Uh, the main uh, method that we that was taught today is the avenue of seeing something as simply unwholesome. So this this is going to harm me. So why am I doing it? Mm. Stop doing it. Like understand that uh, it doesn't lead anywhere good. Um, this this isn't helping me. Uh, let me let me stop doing it. Or I see there's Mara. I see you, Mara. 
Mara um, is kind of just like the what is it called in Gnosticism? They have that the god that rules over the that doesn't want you to escape the 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 lower realm. Is it what? like the demiurge or something? Yeah, I'm demiurge. trying to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Mara would be like the demiurge and Gnosticism, and uh, enlightenment would be Gnosis. So th- these are recurring themes, and uh, I think they're useful archetypes to kind of just like identify and label um, what's going on inside of you. So, um, um, uh, and it can kind of, it can bring a sense of urgency and a sense of actual, like, it can inspire, like, a lot of zeal and right effort if you think about things as you are literally escaping, like, a lower realm. of things okay you're uh, you're transcending samsara this is a noble endeavor um so i think there is magic in it so Mm. there is something magical about what we're doing here um it definitely can be very helpful in terms of adding to that feeling of success i think like even like taking the time to, you know, practice for like 10 minutes or whatever, and really working in like, hey, this is very successful. Like what we are doing here is like worth while of time. There's like nothing that's actually, you know, more worthwhile. It's coming back again to, you know, thoughts of, oh, I could be spending my time doing something more productive or whatever, Um, you know, in that, you know, You, you kind of come back and you're like, wait, no, this is really successful. So um, even when it's generating the um, pity, uh, you know, well, that's it, right? That feeling of success, that feeling of being yeah. a champion. When you think, oh, taking, acknowledging, taking this nice, long, deep breath in and feeling satisfied right here and now is, yeah, comparable to winning the Super Bowl. Like, and you really bring that you're, in like that. You're winning that, the cosmic Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it is, and you can, and and this does go. This does get into. This is the way yeah. of getting in things into cosmic proportions. Mm-hmm. So you can have you keep continue the practice, continue uh, the purification of mind. Uh, you can have the classical uh cosmic experiences that um you might hear about in a lot of spirituality uh becoming one with everything so this is just boundless consciousness jhana (laughs) it's not nirvana it's not it's not uh the final finale um but it is a really cool thing to experience Um, ordinary stuff yeah, and 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 then even even at even at just the level of coming out, um, having the first wholesome thought, and then going from gladdening the mind from going from dissatisfaction to satisfaction, that is winning the cosmic Super Bowl, so to speak. You're becoming a champ. You are the champion. Okay, you're sitting on top of your own pile of dirt, and. Uh, there's nothing more fruitful or there's nothing more worthwhile than that that's life itself death is coming uh this moment is all we have so enjoying this moment 
is enjoying life. So there is a sense of um, a sense of nobility. This is a noble practice, and this is the noble and super mundane dhamma. Um, that's why it's given out for free because it's kind of like it's so good that um, out of how good it is, there is that compassion that you want other people to get onto this. Um, and that's how it was taught to me. And that's why we talk about it together. So it's completely wholesome. So again, coming back to thoughts um, that um, there's no danger in the thought. You could see, yeah, I could keep thinking this thought forever and it wouldn't harm me. But then I would just get tired of thinking, so I don't need <laughs> to think it anymore. Right? Yeah. Um, and, um, and yeah, and then not to crave for any exotic states of consciousness like uh, the boundless jhanas, but to realize that um, even at the beginning of the path and at the end of the path, it's simply about satisfaction and dissatisfaction. So the only reason why all of these experiences happen and, and Nibbana itself is so that you can simply be satisfied here and now. Completely ordinary. <laughs> there's nothing There's nothing magical about just being happy, being satisfied. Um, but then like the levels and skills of the path is just kind of like uh, little goodies along the way to keep you going keep you practicing. Um, but then even those are, 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 are like, are objective, like they're like a, they're a conditioned experience. Um, the real, the real understanding at the end of the road is just seeing dissatisfaction and seeing how it happens and how it ends. And then realizing that I can just be happy without anything right now. And uh, and that's good enough, and this is enough. And I don't need, um, I don't need those exotic states. I don't need any magical things that preachers and teachers are trying to sell you on the spiritual marketplace. This This is enough for me, thank you very much. I don't need any complicated ideas, any overcomplications, any mental proliferation about the practice. I don't need an attainment. <laughs> I don't need path attainments. Why do I need to be an arhat if I'm happy right now? <laughs> what? Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who cares about being an arhat? If I'm satisfied <laughs> as I am right now, who, who cares about that? Right? I this is... I'd rather be happy. Go on. Uh, no, I, I, I kind of like that as a kind of funny way of phrasing an almost wholesome thought, which is like, who cares? Like one of one of these desires come up, like, yeah. who, who cares? Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's just, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just like, okay, just being satisfied. Yeah, like, I, I'd rather be just satisfied um, person here. Uh, then uh, an arhat with social clout um, that may or may not be an arhat. Mm -hmm. So it's like um, 
it's a game of being the winner. So you want to stop thinking of yourself as a victim of things. And you want to start thinking of yourself as a winner of things. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, you're still the winner. And that feels good and satisfying. And literally no one can take that away from you. So there's something invincible, unshakable about it. And uh, and you realize the impermanence of all these things that people delude themselves into thinking are important. When <laughs> so, so these things are not important. They can be fun toys to play with. So things you acquire in the world, status, um, fame, money, um, uh, different kinds of talents. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them, but uh, they're all impermanent and uh, death is coming. So <laughs> the most important thing is to be enjoying life, enjoying the breath, enjoying what's going on here, being being compassionate to yourself and other people, um, living life with um, with ease, with tranquility, with pleasantness. Because if there is an afterlife, if there is, this will lead to a, a better destination or escaping the cycle of it completely. And if there isn't an afterlife, then it will lead to happiness here and now. <laughs> so it's good uh, no matter which way you think about it, right? This is the way. Um, but but yeah, it, it is um, cool to entertain um, more philosophical, ontological um, perspectives of things like, like, hmm, where did this body come from? And what is this body made of? And is this body me? So what is me? Right. So it, I'm so afraid of death, but I don't even understand like how how birth happened. Where did that come from? I just came came out of nothing. How does that make who sense? Who cares? Right. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares who? if I'm satisfied? <laughs> yeah. But 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 I'm more talking about. Um, um, there is this underlying fear of death. Mm. And this underlying fear of death, um, it comes from uh, sort of a belief to be a body. And this belief to be a body is uh, fallacious at its roots. So I'm not denying that contemplation of things, because I think that was a really important uh, thing for me. Um, to sort of uh, transcend the fear of death. But then, ultimately, um, having a view one way or another about, oh, I'm, I'll never die, I'm eternal consciousness or whatever, that's, that's not satisfying either. So who cares? It's better just to be satisfied here and now. Um, um, yeah. All right, so... yeah. I think that was a good um, a good uh, discussion. Thank you, DJ, for adding to the discussion. It was very wonderful to hear your thoughts about things. 
fun. And um, everyone else, I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, if anyone has anything to add or closing remarks, please feel free to go ahead. This is a sangha. Yeah. So we are friends here, and uh, we want to develop uh, uh, friendship and uh, a sense of community. Um, so don't be shy, you know, talk about your experience, talk about your practice, difficulties. Um, all right, then uh, I guess I'll see you guys next time. Um, and uh, thanks for coming. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a good time.